welcome again to everybody that's watching online. Today I'm going to preach a message I've never preached before and it's probably one that you've never heard before. We're going to talk about a letter that the Apostle John wrote to a mysterious church. It was most likely a church in Turkey, but it's his third epistle or third letter to a specific man by the name of Gaius. A lot of people say it Gaius, but it's actually pronounced Gaius. Now, Gaius was a very popular name in the first century church and in first century Rome and in first century Greece. And so this name literally today, a lot of people will say it means happy or carefree or rejoicing. Um, But actually in the first century, the name meant Lord and it also meant earthly man. And the dynamic of that is that from heaven to earth, God raises up people like this man I'm gonna teach you about today. So the message title is, Lord, make me a modern day Gaius. I can almost assure you that none of you have ever heard a message on this guy, but you are today. So today you're gonna learn about this man. I wanna tell you, when I talk about men in the Bible or people in the Bible, what I really want us to do is emulate them. What does it mean to emulate somebody? It means to match, surpass, or imitate. And all of us need people in our lives to match, surpass, or imitate. In fact, my heart as a father is that you would surpass me, right? My heart as a father is that I could live a life as an example that you would want to follow. And yet that should be your desire for yourself and your family. Strong marriages, healthy children, on fire for the Lord. Everything that we do is for his namesake. Our life is an open book. We have a good hidden and public life. And this man, Gaius, was just like that. And I'm going to show you a few things about him that my hope and desire is you'll say, I want to emulate him and live my life like he did. All right? Now, there were four Gaiuses mentioned in the New Testament. None of them were Matthew's centurion Roman soldier mentioned in The Chosen, if you've seen The Chosen, right? So we're going to talk about the fourth Gaius. And again, this Gaius was uh, John's letter. His third letter was written to Gaius. And it starts out in 3 John chapter 1, 2 Gaius, chapter 1, verse 1, 2 Gaius, well-beloved. He was well-beloved. He was well-beloved by the apostle John. He was well-beloved for who he was, and he was also well-beloved for uh, what he did. And in particular, I want to point out here is that he was loved in truth. He was loved in truth. And this is such an important facet of who he was because he loved with truth and he empowered other people to walk in truth. He was also the guy in verse two that we get the scripture which talks about being healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually, the whole man. So I went to Oral Roberts University and the whole premise of going to ORU was that we would be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. I want all of you to be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. The real definition of prosperity and success is not money and stuff. It's to have a sound mind. Because if you have a crazy mind and a ton of money, you're a mess. And what you'll do with your money will be extremely messy or your money will kill you. And you have to understand that winning the lottery or getting millions of dollars is not gonna solve your problems. What's gonna solve it is that we're healthy in the brain and in the head and that we have a sound mind first. And that's really who Gaius was. He was very healthy and he was healthy in everything that he did and everything that he had. So he was well-beloved. The next thing is that he was healthy in every area of his life. And that's what the apostle John prayed is that you would be, that you would prosper in all things, not just in the stuff that you have, but in your mind, your heart, your life, again, mentally, physically, and spiritually, that we'd be in health just as your soul prospers. So I want to be healthy in every area of my life. And I also want to have a healthy soul. I want to physically be strong. I work out consistently four days a week. I'm trying to eat healthy. I've stopped eating fast food and junk food and processed food as much as I can. Not all the time. Doesn't mean I don't like a good breakfast taco, right? But the point is every now and then Whataburger but, or Sonic, but not as much, right? Uh, even Taco Bell on occasion. But the point is, is that in general, I know I'm making some of you manifest, right? But I grew up in Missouri, so did my wife, and we both loved Taco Bell. Taco Bell was my 3 a.m. spot. After I'd partied all night, I would go get, I'd have to drive 10 miles from my small town just to go eat Taco Bell. And I was so sad when they removed tostadas off the menu. I'm like, what happened to the tostadas? But anyway, the double deckers. (laughs) 
You know, I say I love to talk about food because I get really hungry at this second service. But anyway, the point is, is look, you only have one you and you only have one temple and you need to take care of it. And this was the Apostle John's prayers that you would prosper. Again, prosperity is to be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. So I'm challenging all of you to take care of yourself. You only have one you. And I don't want to prematurely do your funeral. I want you to live long. I want you to live a good life. I want you to raise your kids and be healthy. My prayer for you is that you would prosper in every area and be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. And this was John's prayer for Gaius, all right? Now, I want you to see what Gaius would wind up doing because it's pretty awesome. Gaius had a reputation. This was a powerful reputation as others testified of the truth that was in him. Go to verse three. I want you to see verse three and verse four about Gaius. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you, just as you walk in the truth. Next verse. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. So let's talk about Gaius's reputation for a moment. Let's go back a verse. Gaius's reputation was that other people testified of him. My question is, is what do other people testify about you? And the greatest testimony you could ever have is that you walk in truth. Now, I love teaching you that the greatest form of Christian maturity is to be spirit-led. But really, that's to walk in truth. My greatest desire for you is to walk in truth, because what is truth? It has no deception. It has no lies. It has no selfishness. To walk in truth means that I'm fully walking in who I am and who God's called me to be and who he is. I know his character and nature. So when you bomb it, I say, that's not who you are. When you blow up, I'm like, let me tell you who you really are. You need to walk in truth because you don't see yourself the way God sees you. You walk in shame, victim mentality, fear, worry. I have no greater desire than for my kids to walk in truth. How, much li- how many lies and deception are around us in society today? It's everywhere. So we have to walk in truth. We have to notice that, that in verse four, it's like I have no greater desire that you never sin. It's because the greater, deeper root is to understand what truth is. And truth is who Christ is. He is the way. Jesus is the truth and the life. And so I have the greatest desire for you to really know who you are in Christ. And that's how I keep going the way that I keep going. How do I not lose my joy? How do I not retreat? How do I not, you know, keep running to God when I bomb it and blow it? That's why John 4, 24 says that the Father's searching and looking for those who will worship him in spirit and right. So I can worship the Lord because I know who he is. I'm not worshiping the Lord because I have to. He's not a narcissist. I'm not worshiping the Lord because I'm just going through the motions. I'm not coming to church to just go through the motions. I got way better things to do than just go through the motions. I don't need to be here. I don't need the money here. I don't need the accolades from anybody. Neither do you. We come to worship in spirit and in truth. Here's what truth is. I really know God for who he really is. Hence, I can't not worship him because he's been so stinking good. He's so stinking good. And I said, Lord, you are so merciful. If it wasn't for his mercy, we'd all be dead. You know that, right? You would be dead without the mercy. Many of you should be dead. But God and his mercy, truth. I have no greater desire that you'd walk in the truth. And Gaius was a man of truth. And because he was a man of truth, he built a great reputation. That when people looked at him, he knew he was upright and a man of integrity and truthful. And in a minute, we're going to see him that he was faithful. He was faithful. But I want to start with the fact that he was the truth and that Here's the Apostle John saying, I have no greater joy that you walk in truth. Listen, I have no greater joy than you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than you walk in truth. I want you to be spirit-led, but walk in truth. When you walk in truth, you'll always know who you are and you'll never back down. When you walk in truth, fear, worry, doubt, lies, dysfunction, addiction, all those things have to dissipate because I'm standing in truth and I'm standing in the lie. There's no lie in the truth. Do you understand that? The truth is a reality. It's absolute truth. God is love. He's kind. He's merciful. He cares about you. He has a plan for you. He's never going to take his gifts and call from you, but the gift will kill you if you don't get character to back it up. Your gift is a double-edged sword. If you lean on your gift, it'll kill you. 
If you don't walk in absolute truth and knowing who he is and knowing who you are at all times, you'll retreat, walk away, combust. Or when you do combust, you won't come back. I want my kids to walk in truth. I have to teach my kids the difference between a truth and a lie every day because there's so many lies. I mean, they're just watching TV and I got to say, pause, that's a lie. (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes the TV actually becomes a a training model for me. Oh, wait, pause. Uh, I mean, we're watching even some Christian shows. I'm like, pause. Let me tell you what the truth is. We're sitting there. I watch the shows with them most of the time. And I'm, and I'm like the third person commentator in the movie. Although I hate when people talk in movies, by the way. If you want to make me mad, just talk in a movie. But fortunately, I don't care about my kids if they don't like it because they're ten, three, 10 and under. And so I'm like, oh man, especially when a bully, oh man, he's a bully. You should never do that. And my kids are listening while they're watching. So we have to teach our children the truth, but you need to know the truth for yourself, which means to know Christ. Know the truth because the truth will set you free, right? So this whole thing in truth, I can't emphasize to you enough. It's the absence of deceptive lies, fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, selfish ambition, explosion, imploding, combustion, all the stuff, our flesh ruling, us living for ourselves, all that is deception that the truth drives out. So I'm going to ask you this question. What is your greatest desire for other people? Would people testify of you as a man of woman or truth, or is there deceptive lies and hidden agendas? I'm not talking about struggling with sin. I'm not talking about temptation. Every one of us are going to be tempted. I get tempted. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in all points, but never gave into it. In the Lord's prayer, it literally says, deliver us from temptation, which a better way to say it is lead me away when it comes fire escape, fire escape, run, run, Forrest, run. You understand? Be aggressive. You have to be. The next focus on Gaius is what I want us to focus on today. Let's go to verse five. These next three verses is literally the entire premise of this message today. And I want you to see the pattern of Gaius's life and how it applies to your life because it's very applicable to my life and it needs to be to this church. Verse five, beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. So let's pause there. He was faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? What does it really mean to be faithful? Well, let me break it down for you. To be faithful means to be trustworthy and reliable in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, and the discharge of official duties. It's to have an unwavering trust in the promises of God. It's to be loyal and steadfast at all cost, at all cost. Loyal and steadfast at all cost. It means to be faithful in stewarding the resources of God and man. So God gives you resources. You still have resources in your life. You have resources in your life. You have resources. The deceptive lie is that tomorrow when I get more money and get more stuff or get my breakthrough, well, then I'll be able to do what God's called me to do. Don't believe that lie. God uses you right where you're at today. God can use what's in your hand right now. All of us have situations and struggles and challenges and suffering and hardships and problems, whether it's family members struggling in their health, whether it's your finances, whether it's people around you that are combusting. Maybe you're giving it a temptation of your flesh, but it's still not who you are. You can still always be faithful even in the midst of it. Repent. Turn back to God every time, time and time and time and time. I don't care how many times. So I can, I can say to you that I have been faithful to the Lord since I gave my life to Christ. And you know how many times I've sinned or bombed it? I don't know, because I'm not counting anymore. Shoot, I lost track. My point to you is that I keep running back to him instead of running away. That's faithfulness. And then when God, what God's put in my hand, I've learned to be a good steward of. And I've learned to honor him with what I have. I've learned to make everything about his namesake, not my namesake. And that's so contrary to this world system. 
because it's all about gaining and getting and being known and popularity. I'm going to tell you, the more you decrease, the more Jesus increases in your life. What would you rather have, an increase of Jesus or an increase of the things of this world? And I got a pretty amazing life. It's all by the grace of God. I'm so thankful. I look around every day and pinch myself and say, God, you're too good. And you say, well, I'm not in that situation. Don't compare yourself to me. I was once probably where you were or worse. God is good. I've been married and divorced. I've been in prison. Shoot, I can sleep anywhere, in anything, anytime. I can sleep standing up next to a cold concrete wall. I've done it with my, my hands bound. I've been there. I bombed it, blew it a thousand times of repentance, but every single time God takes you back. That's the great thing. He'll never leave you or forsake you, but we live like we've been forsaken. Stop. So Gaius was faithful. Now you're going to see this incredible pattern. He was faithful. He was a good steward. He was a good steward. Let's say this. Say, Lord, make me a good steward. Faithful with the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians 4.1. God's called us to be stewards of the mystery, Right? The mystery of Christ, God calls us to steward our hearts, the the mystery of our hearts properly, the word properly, our family, our kids. God Look, we have to raise the bar and we need people to emulate. And here's a guy in the Bible you've never studied and know little to nothing about that lived this incredible life. He was well-beloved. He had a great reputation. See, the thing is, is don't make yourself to have a good reputation. Just serve really well and take what God's given you and give it away. Just give it all away. Live everything with the mindset of giving it away. And I'm not telling you go sell your house and sell all your possessions and give it all to the poor unless God tells you to do that. Most times it's a test. Give your talents, your looks, your abilities. Your, have a mindset of none of it's mine. It's all on the altar, Everything's on the altar. All my Isaacs are on the altar. My business on the altar. My children on the altar. My wife on the altar. That's being faithful. So he was faithful. He was trustworthy and reliable. Now notice who he was trustworthy and reliable to. He was faithful in whatever he did for who? Two groups of people. Verse five. The brethren and the stranger. Now let's talk about this two group, these two groups of people, all right? We are to honor the brethren. We're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So you're my family. I want to do whatever I can for you. If I can, I will do the best I can, all right? Recently, a friend of mine, a family of this church lost his job, and my first thought was, what do you need? That's why you need to keep giving, we gave, I don't know, 7 to 10% easy of our uh, revenue last year that came into this church away to benevolence and missions. We must give more. We need to give more. I want to give more. I want us to be in a place where we can be so stinking faithful to everyone. It's easy to give to your own family, but what about the stranger? You know who the stranger is? He's the tatted up guy that just came right out of a, a gang that's in this church with his family right now. These people that don't look like you and sound like you. These are the people that don't have the same sexual preference or political preference that you do. That aren't walking in the truth because the brethren is the body of Christ. Your brothers in Christ. You know who the stranger is? It's technically the Gentiles. And the Gentiles at that time are considered an outcast nation. They're ignorant to the truth, so they don't know. But guess what? You got to give equally to both. People are slandering you, pray for them. People are persecuting you, love them. Your enemies, love them. Buy them lunch. Because when you do that, you heap burning coals on their head and you let God deal with them. We don't take vengeance on anybody. I want to take vengeance sometimes. In my flesh, I want to punch some people in the face. I've even told a story of bumping into the guy here under the bridge at the turnaround at the stoplight at 10 o'clock at night with my little kids. And he's like, I'm going to call the police. You're going to call the police? I'm going to punch you in the face. But I didn't, but I thought it. And then I left convicted. <laughs> and still to this day, I'm, God brings it to my mind. Like, I'm like, Lord, just bless. I'm sorry, Lord. 
I repented. The point I'm trying to make here is, is you got to love the stranger. Where are they going to go? That's what I want to ask you. Yes, God can touch them in their dreams and in the night. But if LGBTQ can't come here and feel loved and accepted, it doesn't mean I'm affirming the lifestyle. It means that I love them. If I don't go sit down with some, I better be careful what I say. But let me just say to you, you, some of y'all hate the Democrats and some of the Democrats hate the Republicans. And at the end of the day, they all, everybody needs Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, I hate the misinformation and the lack of truth in our society and what's happening to children. And I make a bold stand for it. Just wait till next year. You, if you got any issues with me being political from the pulpit, you're in the wrong church. I'm just telling you because I'm fighting for kids. I'm not fighting in a sense for a candidate. I'm fighting for families. And to be silent is to be complicit. But that doesn't mean you can't love them. Where are they going to go? You know what changes people's lives? Not great preaching, the presence of God and perfect love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let the gay married couples come in here because I want to love them and hug them and look them right in the eyes and say, come here, I love you. Every color of skin, every nation, tribe, and tongue, all the tattoos and piercings, the bombs it, the blows it, the every single person that is in the toilets of the trenches that are so not like you. They don't talk like you. They don't look like you. They don't act like you. And they're actually in many ways repulsive to you. Can you love that person the same? Because if you want to be like Gaius, look at the scripture. He did faithfully to whatever he did for who? Both the, in the house and out of the house. Because the, there's people that won't even ever step foot in this house until God rocks them out of the house. How's God going to rock them? Who's going to get them? Some people have no concept of the kingdom of God. They don't want to come to church because all they know is dysfunction, man-made religion, and being beat over the head. Not at Rock City, though. And that doesn't mean I'm compromising and talking about sin. If you've been around this whole year listening to my message, I hammer sin, I hammer repentance. This whole year has been about repentance, repentance, repentance. The whole riot broke out in Ephesus because people came confessing and repenting their sins and then they burned their magic books. It all starts with repentance. Get it in the light. Stop living in the dark, walking in the truth, being faithful, loving everybody even when they're different than you. I'm gonna tell you right now, Rock City Church is an outreach-oriented church. Redeemed, what's happening at our Redeemed Recovery Ministry is insanely awesome. The fact that God sent us Troy and Tiffany Walters is a godsend from heaven. The fact that we have Hector Perez and Hope leading our path, you can't get a better pastoral care guy in my book. The fact that I have y'all here what you're doing with the juvenile system and how you guys are going into the, the juvie detention center and how you love and disciple people so well and what you've come out of in your story. Yeah. We have some amazing rock star people in this, in this house. But we need to be like this guy. They need to be prepared for it. And if you have any prejudice in you or discrimination in you or you got any racist thing inside of you, you must kill it now. Because they're coming. They're coming. And they're going to make you real mad. You know why? Because they're most of the time in their messy process, they're not going to do what you think they should do. You know, I determine right off the bat when I counsel people, they're probably not always going to do what I think they should do. I'm just going to forgive you now. I'm going to tell you what I think you should do. You're going to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you don't do it. I already determined you're probably not going to do it. You say, well, pastor, you're not walking in faith. No, I've just done this long enough to know that some people are more stubborn than others. And it takes them long. So I already pre-forgave you. I pre-forgive. Everybody say (laughs) pre-forgive. I already determined that. I would be a mean old grouchy grumpy preacher. You ever met any of those guys? They're just mad. Their preaching's mad. It's like the longer they pastor, the worse they are. They get hurt. People leave. Look, I already know right now. A lot of people at Rock City may not be here in the years to come. You may not be here next week. You may jump ship to the church down the street. I'm going to love you just the same. And you know what? You can come back every single time. Come back. I'm not, man, you shaft. I've had people cuss me out online, leave Rock City, and even to my face, or on a text message. 
leave angry and offended, and then come back as if nothing ever happened. You know what I want to say? How dare you? And you know what God says? That's my world. Welcome to my world. And you know what? I don't have any demand on them. Listen, if you want to stay here, you owe me an apology. Can you imagine? Oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. I know. I've been mad at you for so long. You see, that's not even perfect love. That's not perfect love. If, I, if you owe me something, see, owe no debt to any man. Perfect love is I'm going to love you no matter what you do. You can cuss me out. You can slander me. You can do all those things. You're dealing with God. Because the better I love you, the more that burning coals are going to get heaped on your head. And then I say, God, fry their skull out as fast as possible. No, I'm kidding. I'm ki- I promise you I'm kidding. <laughs> That's not what that means, by the way. God can deal with your worst enemy. You just have to love better. So I'm really hitting the stranger thing really hard because in some cases, if you don't entertain strangers, you'll miss an opportunity for an angel. You know how many times I see somebody that's a stranger and I think, what if that's an angel? Because I think if God's gonna send me a stranger that's an angel, it will be the worst person I've ever seen. There was a guy sitting out in front of my coffee shop He had like tied up old ribbon as a belt. He had a cast on. He'd been living on the streets for the longest time. He came right out. He had hospital bands. I don't even know what sickness he, I mean, he must've just walked straight out of ICU and straight off the streets. They come through here all the time. And many times they're sitting right in front of my coffee shop. Am I gonna turn the other way? Or am I gonna stop and say, what what do you need? And some of them cuss me out and I got to kick them off the property because there's kids and there's businesses here. But some of them are so broken. Some of them are so mental, they can't even tell me what they need. So they just have to nod. And because they're so spun out, I'm like, can I get you a cup of coffee or a sandwich? I'm not handing them money. And if they, if they really want help, there's lots of resources. In fact, that's one thing that our pastoral care team's gonna do is anybody that needs help, he's gonna get a list of every single thing available in this city, every resource, every single thing that you could find in the city, he'll have access to. And in some cases, it's a bus ticket. I came here early to church the other day and there was a guy out front and I didn't recognize him, but he recognized me. He could hardly walk. He had all his bags packed. I got out, he goes, hey, Pastor David. I don't remember who he was, but he knew me because I don't know who all always comes here. And I said to him, I said, hey, come here. I gave him a big hug. He smelled. I don't even care. I just gave him a big hug. And I said, what do you need? He says, I need a bus ticket. I said, wait right here till Tiffany comes in. She'll be here in 30 minutes. She's our, our administrative assistant and secretary. And so uh, he was sitting on the sidewalk. I said, let me open the door. You come sit inside the, in, in here, inside the office. Because everybody's a test, but you have to have discernment. Because some people, you're throwing your pearls before swine. You're casting your pearls before swine. But the person that keeps bombing it and running back in repentance is not a pig. The pig is the one that tramples underfoot and wants nothing to do with God and Christ. And so I'm not going to give you my best revelation. I'm going to just tell you to get to the cross and die now. Jesus died for you. You need the blood of Jesus. Did you hear what I said? The blood, because the blood of Jesus will make somebody manifest all day. Demons hate the blood of Jesus. You want to really piss off a, excuse me. You want to really make a demon mad? You just preach the, I'll say it like it is. Are there any kids in here? Okay. If you want to really tick some demons off, just slowly and clearly say, do you hear the sound coming out of my mouth? The blood of Jesus, right? And so we have to stop treating people like pigs and swine and love them no matter what. And if they're repenting and they keep coming back and you keep coming back, stay the course. You'll get it. It's taken me a long time and I still half the time don't feel like I got it. I saw a thing somebody posted. It's like, you want to really mess things up? Interrupt the preacher when he's preaching and ask him if he really knows what he's talking about. Why don't I just tell you that a lot of times I don't really know, but I have some glimpses and insight and I only know in part. So if you want to interrupt me when I'm preaching, go for it because we're going to have some fun. We'll go toe-to-toe right in front of everybody because I'm not scared. You're not going to interrupt my anointing flow. (laughs) 
Jeff, before you escort somebody out, let me have Adam for a minute, all right? Look, you have got to be faithful in what you do for everyone, your family and the outcast, all right? And that's exactly what Gaius did. He had no discrimination. The outcast, the downtrodden, the lost, the ignorant, the broken, the hopeless, he loved them just the same, all right? Next, I want you to notice in verse six, it says, if you send, who, who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Let's talk about, about that for a minute. Everything that we do should be about sending people forward. I want to call you higher. Everything comes down to the sending. Let's say this together. Say, I'm sent to send. God sends me to send others. Now, let's talk about a minute what it means to send, all right? One thing that it means to send means that you're training and equipping other people to step into their call, which means you have to see them the way God sees them, or you'll discriminate. All you'll see, you'll see their actions, not the heart or the way that God sees their heart. And you'll want to bust them up for their sin. And some of you are too discerning. You don't know what to do with your discernment. So it's like, man, I don't like you because X. But you, you're discerning erroneously. And I'm saying that you have to send people forward in their journey in a manner worthy of God. But it also goes the other way. Sometimes you got to hold people back because they're not going in a manner worthy of God. So what I want you to do is I want you to sit down for a year. That's what happened with Mark Marquez. Mark Marquez combusted, had an affair at his last church, angry at God. It was a terrible situation. Our worship leader, I'm telling him, he's told the story publicly. So this isn't a hidden thing. Oh, you back there? Oh, see, I got to watch. She's always listening. But Mark, you've heard Mark's story. He walked in this church, didn't want to be here, and, and was mad. He didn't like me. He didn't like the atmosphere. He didn't like the thing. And here we are years later. He's on fire. He's got an awesome marriage. He's, his family's restored. He's uh, co-parenting amicably as friends and family with his ex-wife and who happens to be our women's director. And then uh, her husband, who he used to fight and yell with face-to-face in the parking lots, who's now the executive. It's just a crazy story. My executive path. I mean, only God could do that the way that God could do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and so what I'm saying is that you, this manner worthy of God is the mindset that Mark, after sitting for, I don't know, how long did I make you sit? A year and a half? Three years. Whatever, it grows every year. It seems to get longer as we go by. Wow. He says three years. I don't think it was that long. But nonetheless, he begged me to pick up. He's like, please, please, for the love, can I get out of my seat and play the guitar? I'm like, okay, I guess I'll let you know. But the point is, is that, is that there's this understanding of sending and restraining. It's all about doing it in a worthy manner and being faithful with what God gives you and the people that God entrusts your lives with. So if you send them forward on their journey in a, worthy, in a manner worthy of God, guess what happens to you? You get more. Now, one of the ways that Gaius sent people forward was he helped them with money. Let's just talk about money for a minute. He's like, oh man, pastor's talking about money. First off, I almost never talk about money personally in this church. I want you so spirit-filled, so on fire, so that you want to give. I got my buddy over here told me recently he started giving. I never pressured him. I never compelled him. He almost never heard me even talk about it. But when you get the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can't help but to not give because it's your good pleasure because he did it for you. Now you do it for others. And the more you give, the more you get. That's the premise of this. You reap what you sow. It's not just training and equipping and empowering spiritually. It's like, hey, you need some money? Look, here you go. When you give to Rock City Church, you're giving to send people properly. So in turn, you get back. You get to share in the reward. You're going to get to see her in a minute that you're a fellow worker, which means you get to benefit when I benefit. And when I benefit, you benefit. You understand that? I want you to make money, but you need to be a good steward with the money. 
And again, so many of us are like, man, if I just win that lottery and the bigger it gets, you don't buy the ticket till it gets so big, which ruins your chances even worse. But the point is, is that you live, we live in a fantasy land that if we just won the lottery, and if you won the lottery, it'd probably kill you. I know we all think, man, if I just had millions of dollars, what would I do? Oh, I'd give it all away and I would do this and do that. And yet you look at all these people that won the lottery, most all of them have combusted. And I say to the Lord, Lord, don't, I don't wanna be rich. I wanna be whatever you want me to do. Don't make me rich so I forsake you and don't make me poor so I'm in desperate need and in poverty. Lord, whatever you want's what I want. You know what I can handle. You know what I need and when I need it. And he's way bigger than the lottery ticket, way better. So I don't buy a lottery ticket. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not even gonna tell you that that's a sin. If you buy a lottery ticket and you win, you better tie 10% to this church. (laughs) Do I have an amen on that? All right. But see, investing into the kingdom of God is way better than uh, cryptocurrency. It's way better than Wall Street. It's way better than um, mutual funds. It's way better than life insurance policies. And I have all that. I've invested into all those areas. All right. But the greatest place I put my money is the kingdom of God. That's the greatest place to put you. You will get no greater reward than in the kingdom of God. You know why? Because it says it very clear here. When you are empowering other people to get their healing, because the stranger, when they come, do you send a stranger immediately? No, they need to give their life to Christ and get healthy. But your number's up. You're going to be sent. You're sent. You're going to be sent. God heals you to send you so you can go heal other people. It always comes down to the mission and the purpose. But when you make it about other people, what does God do for you? My challenge to you today is make it about other people. Esteem others better than yourself. Call them up higher. Love them. See them the way God sees them. And what will happen? It'll go well or you will prosper when you make it about sending other people. All right? The next thing that I want to show you in verse 7 is that we send people forth for what? his name's sake. Rock City is building a house for his name. Rock City is a house for his name. Our new sanctuary, a house for his name. Why? Because what's in his name? Deliverance. His name literally means the name Joshua, Yeshua, or so you got Joshua in uh, English, which is actually Yeshua. Jesus is the Greek. It literally means that he's a deliverer. He's your deliverer. So in his name, if this house is really lifting up the banner of his name, what's happening? People are getting delivered, set free, healed, saved. But I'm gonna make this one powerful point. When you're not doing things for his name's sake, we're doing it for our own name's sake. I promise you. This is something God has convicted me on. What am I building and why am I building it? It's everything for his name's sake. Every possession that I have, my land, my animals, my family, my coffee shops, my money, everything that I have, if I make it about his name's sake, it'll be nothing about me. And then God makes it about you. Because yes, God wants to exalt your life. We're not gonna walk in false humility. Humble yourselves, go to the cross, die, be a bond slave to all, Philippians 2, just like Jesus was, and what will he do? He'll exalt you. Humble yourselves in due time and he will So don't think for a second that God wants you to live in poverty. Don't think for a second that God doesn't want to exalt you. But here's the formula. Die and make it all about Jesus. Go to the cross, surrender all, and every possession you have, you make it about Christ. Every gift, every talent, all your cars, all your stuff, all your job, everything that you wear, everything you do, Lord, I want all of it to glorify your name. And so in this case, uh, Gaius sent people forth for what? For his name's sake. And then next, he took nothing for himself. Now, this is the one I've been wanting to talk about, perfect love. Perfect love always outgives. Perfect love always says, how can I give more? If you don't have a thing in your heart that says, how can I give more? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your gifts, your talents, your time, your love. Look, there's plenty of people around for us to go love on somebody. And many times somebody's like, ask me for something like, man, I don't have the time. I don't have the money for it. And God says, oh yes, you do make the sacrifice. Perfect love always sacrifices and takes nothing. So can you love people without expecting something in return? Let me tell you the biggest, biggest angst I have is when people withhold love because they're angry or mad, especially in marriage. Oh, you didn't treat me right. You didn't do this right. I'm going to withhold from you. And we have to stop withholding from one another. People are going to do things that you don't like. But perfect love always outgives and expects nothing in return. No, you don't have to give back. 
And the more that you love like that, the more God gives you, the more God empowers you, the more God puts into your hands because you're trustworthy and you're faithful. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't give back. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't say yes when somebody wants to give back. It's a heart posturing condition. Man, I did all this for you. Are you kidding me? I counseled you for years and then you just spit right in my face and walked out that door and went to the next church down the, the way. You know what I say? I love you, man. I, I, I'm gonna keep loving you and I'll do the best that I can for you no matter what. And they're like, I'm going to the other church. I need you to counsel. I'm like, go to that pastor. Seriously, I care about you. I love you. But, it, but you have to have shepherding pastoral care and love over your life. Find a home and stay there. We're not church hoppers. This isn't a restaurant. I mean, it is. We're serving you meals, but it's not like, let's go pick our favorite restaurant. Because if that was the case, when I preached a bad sermon, you wouldn't come back. Never happens. I never preach a bad sermon. That's right. So you went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing. I want to challenge all of you to love even better. I want to challenge husbands and wives to stop withholding when somebody doesn't do something right. It doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries and tough love. It doesn't mean you say, listen, I'm not okay with that. And you have to stop doing that. But we have to love better. I'm telling you that we can love better. All right? Next verse. We therefore ought to receive. Let me tell you about this word receive. Gaius received people. To receive means that I publicly acknowledge I know you and I love you. To receive somebody means that I'll do whatever it takes for your benefit. To receive somebody may even mean taking them into your home. We have a, some families here that, man, if somebody's in a dire straits, they'll open up their home. They have a mission to help people when they're hurting. And that means sometimes they live there for three to six months. Whether it's a house fires, whatever it is, you have to receive them. That doesn't mean you open up your home for everybody. But what it does mean is you are open to accepting and loving and acknowledging anybody that God brings into your path. And then finally, when you receive them, you become fellow workers for the truth. When you give financially, you become a fellow worker. If this house prospers, you prosper. If you prosper, this house prospers. If you prosper in your life, I get to get the benefits. I get to eat of your prosperity and vice versa. If I prosper, you get to eat of my prosperity. But my prosperity is not my identity. In fact, prosperity means to be mentally put together. So if it's, uh, everything else is just stuff. Houses are gonna burn. Kubotas are gonna burn. Boats are gonna burn. Motorcycles are gonna burn. All that stuff's gonna burn in the end. So none of that stuff should have you. You have it, but for what? For his namesake. And you use what God's put in your hand for the purposes and the glory of God. And in turn, you become a fellow worker, which means you're a partaker. You get to benefit. So I'm calling y'all up higher. I believe you can come out of living paycheck to paycheck. I believe you can come out of being a bad steward of your finances. I believe that you can be prosperous and there's nothing wrong. The Lord delights in the prosperity of a servant. I'm not a prosperity preacher in the typical context, but yet at the same time, God wants you prosperous. God wants your life to be blessed. And in any minute, if the Lord says, sell the businesses, if the Lord says, lay this down, I'll do whatever God says because he was the one that got me here to begin with. And that's the same for you. You could never make yourself. Only God could make you, right? So our prayer is, Lord, I wanna be a modern day Gaius. I wanna be a modern day Gaius. I want to be faithful. I want to be a good steward. I want to receive the stranger. I want to love and give financially to everyone around me. I want to build this house. Let's get this house built. If you're watching online, you have the means or anybody here that has the means to help us finish this build out, let's get it done because the harvest is coming. I'm telling you right now. And where are people going to come out of and into? They need a family. They need the contrast. They need to see you and me. They need to see health without some weird religious vibe inside the church. This should be the desire of all of us. So God, make me a modern day Gaius. Let's say that. Lord, make me a modern day Gaius. Now, <clears throat> Gaius would go on to become the bishop of Pergamum. Pergamum was a town in Turkey. And it's mentioned in Revelation chapter one and Revelation chapter two, the church of Pergamus. That's the church where Satan's throne dwelt or the city where Satan's throne dwelt. 
and where Satan himself was. You know that? Go read about that church. It was called the Compromising Church. But that church in general never gave up in their faith and they were steadfast, but they were still tolerating witchcraft and demonic activity in the house. That's why they were the compromising church. That's why we have to preach against compromise, but love everybody no matter where they're at. It's holding a standard, letting God do what God does. The gospel will be offensive. Be, don't be afraid to be offensive, but everybody should be able to come. Gay couples should be able to come in here, find the love in the presence of God, but that doesn't mean I'm affirming the lifestyle. It means I'm loving them for who they are. Do you understand that? Because hard people are going to walk in this house, tats all over their face, right out of prison, killed people, right out of prison, hurting, broken, addicted. But I want that kind of church. I want somebody right out of prison sitting right next to a millionaire, and they don't even know it. I want people coming out of gangs. I want people coming out of recovery. I want people coming out of addiction. I want people living their cush, fancy, multimillionaire lives that are so broken and addicted to walk in here and find hope just the same and not be coddled extra because they have money. You love everybody equally. We must be like Gaius. So in closing, I just want to say, <clears throat> everything starts with truth. Get to the truth. Stop believing lies. Find the truth. Find Jesus and his word and get it in your heart. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Next, you have to be faithful. And I'm going to ask you, are you being faithful or are you being selfish? I get selfish a lot of times. I spend my money on a lot of stuff that's selfish. But I may, I've made it my desire to say, Lord, I want to give more to the kingdom. I'm telling you right now, you got no greater investment than the kingdom of God. And some of y'all still have never given a dollar. And guess what? I love you the same and I don't even know it. Keep on coming. But at some point, you have to make the decision to say, everything I have in my hand, I give back to you. All right? Are you loving others with no discrimination? Or are you, do you have a racist thing in your heart? I don't know. I, don't, I'm, I like to assume the best that none of you do, but I won't say that that's the case. Racism is a spiritual issue, not a legislative issue. Can you love the worst of the worst, the outcast, the broken, the tatted up, the messy, the homeless, whoever it is? And that doesn't mean that I enable them. That's the problem is a lot of times we see love in, 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 in uh, synonymous with enabling. It's not enabling. I'm not going to enable you. I don't hand money out to somebody standing on the street, but I will say, do you need a cup of coffee or a sandwich? And if you really want to help somebody, go stop at the stripes and buy them some food and then lay hands on them and pray for them. Do you believe God is sending you to send others? Are you doing a good job esteeming and sending others? Are you doing things for your namesake or his namesake? I'm challenging you to walk in perfect love. When we combust and get selfish, we're not walking in perfect love. If I'm doing anything for you to get back for me, I'm not walking in perfect love. My good friend David right here is here because I love him perfectly for who he is. I don't care if he ever came here, if he ever gave his life to Christ. I don't care what he did or where he was. 15, 16 years of friendship and love, no matter what. Whether you give, it, whether you give a dollar here, I'll love you the same. Amen? All right, let's all stand. Modern day Gaius. Make us a modern day Gaius, Lord. Just close your eyes for a moment. Make me a modern day Gaius, God, a modern day Gaius. From heaven to earth, the Lord and his earthly servant, the Lord and his earthly servant, Gaius, promoted to lead a church in Turkey where the throne of Satan was. You never know where God will put you. <laughs> Lord, I ask for a quickening by your spirit that we stop living selfish. Forgive us, Lord. Just repent to the Lord this morning. Just repent. It's the best thing you can do. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, God, for the things I've given my life to. I'm sorry, Lord, for the compromise, the hidden vices. I'm sorry, Lord, for running my own way. Forgive me, I've been so selfish. I'm sorry that I haven't walked in perfect. Just, I'm telling you, I'm praying this prayer for myself. So you guys pray it. 
I'm sorry, Lord, that I've made it about me. I'm sorry, Lord, that it hasn't all been about your name. And I've even said it was when it wasn't. Sorry for being greedy with my money. I'm sorry for not trusting you. I'm sorry for being mad at the church. I'm sorry for withholding from the kingdom for my own self. I'm sorry for eating all my own bread and not sowing it back as seed into the kingdom of God. We're building a house for his namesake. Lord, help me to love the stranger by giving. You do what you want, Lord, with the finances. I'll be faithful to give. Help me to love the stranger even when I don't like them. I don't like what they're doing. Help me, Lord. Show me how to love better. Show us how to love better, God. Show us how to walk in perfect love. I haven't walked in perfect love, Lord. I'm sorry for how I've treated my spouse, my friends, my parents. Some of y'all need to repent. I'm sorry for manifesting selfishly, Lord, being angry when I don't get my way. Lord, I want to give more. And whatever you give to me, Lord, whatever you give to this house, help us to be faithful, whether a little or a lot. Faithful in a little or faithful in a lot, that's my prayer. That we'd send others in a worthy manner, Lord, healthy, strong, knowing their identity, training and equipping them. Make us modern day Gaius's, Lord. A church of Gaius's, God. The Gaius Church, Lord, people that are faithful, people that have a great reputation. Give this church a great reputation of service and love, healing, the presence and the power of God. May Rock City be known like the Pool of Bethesda, a place where people can come and find healing and then be sent. Make us an Antioch Church, Lord, that people will come, learn and grow, be trained and sent. Help us to send. Help us to love. Help us to see people the way you see them, God. And I bless all of you mightily. I speak so much life to you, your home, your family. And I just pray a sound mind into every crazy thought in your head. Give us a sound mind, Lord. Give us a sound mind. I bless you all. I speak healing to you, the blood of Jesus into your heart, your life, unity in your marriage, purity in your singleness. Stay pure. Stay pure, beloved. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I have no greater joy than the truth would reside in you and you'd walk in it. I bless you with truth, strength, health, peace. My prayer is that you'd prosper in all things, be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Thank you that that's Rock City Church. In Jesus' name, amen.